on this episode, uh, he was married but divorced his wife in 2014. Uh, he also has two daughters. So while on paper, Putin may not Who's own dating it, these girls? Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, nobody. Dude, you, nobody. nobody. Has a brain. Hey, you know, you want to go, you know, date so and so Putin? No, I'm good. I don't want to die. I don't want to disappear. My family wants to, you know, know what happens to me. <laughs> Even Uncle Boris knows there's no pussy worth dying for. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of No Country for Old Mark and Juan. I am your host, Mark Pearson, and this is my co-host... The real Santa. All the dads out there putting in the work to pay for these damn presents. It's like a month from Christmas, and I'm Juan Smith, and it's all of you, too. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> yeah, we're back. Uh, if you uh, do follow us regularly, uh, we didn't put out an episode last week because Juan is now back from the brink of death, dog vomit, and pneumonia. So... Yeah. Don't worry, I took your advice, listeners. I went to the doctor and got on full meds. I'm yeah. bulletproof now. I got blood pressure medication. I got some psych meds for my crazy ass. <laughs> and uh, got some stuff for my diabetes. And, yeah, uh, and my fibromyalgia. So I've, I got enough drugs to cheat death yet for another day. He's now a walking pharmacy. Yep. Could use I feel better, to, though. I feel could better. use your though. blood to synthesize cures, I'm sure. Oh, my goodness. We had sickness in our house. I, you know, we have five kids. Yeah. Uh, everybody was sick. I had two with chicken pox. Everyone else had the flu, bronchitis, or pneumonia. Mom went to the hospital twice. She's back in. Like, the dog just threw up before the podcast. Like, even the dog's sick, man. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, the dog threw up in his son's bed, so that's a great image right there, I'm sure. It's a small dog, it was, but it's still puke, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's still, it's still gross. Yeah, well, uh, as you all know, it's important for me to give you, you know, our fantastic listeners, weekly content to digest in your ear holes, but Juan was so sick and we just couldn't do it, so we missed a week, week and a half, but, you know, stuff happens, I'm sure you all understand. But anyways, real quick before we get to today's episode, uh, we need more listeners, and so we would appreciate it if you would recommend this podcast to your friends and family. Uh, literally everybody, drop a line. Uh, actually, in the industry, I just found out we're looking for super listeners, people that I finally realized that are like me, who just consume tons of podcasts and tell everyone else about them. I know I've been turning on a lot of my friends to podcasts that I, uh, I enjoy. So I would ask you to all please do the same for us. Give us some reviews and, you know, hit us up on facebook.com slash podcast. On Instagram at no underscore country underscore podcast or on Twitter at podcast underscore country. And you can email us at no country podcast at gmail.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 346-291-0050. Yeah, I know that all of the social media stuff is different. That's just the way it is. It's hard to find, you know, one to cross all platforms. But hey, it is what it is. I just gave you the info. But anyways... So after, you know, the last couple of weeks where we shared some history or, you know, we talked to a uh, Sandra D, the comedian. I'm actually going to go see her on uh, at her uh, competition show on Saturday night. So 
so jealous. I'm so jealous, man. Yeah, Tamika and Lenny are coming with me too. So some previous, you know, guests of the podcast are going to be there, and we're going to support Sandra and try and get her career moving because she's hilarious. But anyways, today uh, we're going to go back into a. Uh, I'm going to share a story, but it's going to be a current story and about a, a figure that most people have heard of, especially if you watch the news. Uh, today we're going to talk about everyone's favorite uh, shirtless, bear-riding, arm-wrestling, cottage-cheese-eating Russian, uh, Vladimir Putin. And actually, his full name is Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin. So he's got the whole double Vlad thing going on. Imagine his mom calling him when he was in trouble and he was a kid, like, Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin! <laughs> like, that's a mouthful right there. I just like maybe- Vladdy! <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe she shortened it to like Vlad Vlad or Double Vlad. But a, uh, it's like if my name was Mark Marcos. It's kind of just a... It's so, kind of, I kind of found that interesting. But it's quite, a, uh, his, it's quite uh, redundant. Yeah, it's very <laughs> redundant. It would be more redundant if Vlad was somehow in part of his last name too. That would be... I'd be like, you people are just lazy. <laughs> like John Johnson. <laughs> you know what's great? And uh, I'm going to admit this because I don't give a shit. And uh, I don't watch the fucking news, yeah. Because I, you know, I get a lot of. If it's something big, I hear about it. It just to me, a lot of it's just so negative. I just, you know, whatever. I know people have certain opinions about that, but whatever. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> so uh, whatever you're about to tell me about this guy, I've probably never heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I uh, when I research a subject. And then I'm going to bring it here on the podcast. Uh, My whole approach is to try and find stuff that just really isn't talked about all that much. You know, because it's like, I don't want to be doing the same thing that everybody else has done. I don't want to talk about, you know, we talked about Hitler, you know, a couple weeks ago. And I shared a story about Hitler that's lesser known. Like, I had never heard of it till like a year ago. And I've been studying World War II since I was in like eighth grade. So I try and find things that people have not heard because I don't want to be one of those podcasts where I'm just sharing the same thing. I don't want to do like a, a Ted Bundy episode and then just sit there and he killed this woman and he and the exact same thing, which you've already heard 12 times. So, you know, I just want to try and find different stuff. And so that's what I'm going for here. Yeah, that's another reason I don't listen to the news. It's, it's like the same shit over and over. Yeah, it really so. is. And that's, you know, that's, I mean, you, you watch it for an hour and you've already seen the same story repeated two, three times. So it's kind of like, you know, whatever. But we're talking about Putin and his name uh, inspired the, uh, the dish in Canada, poutine, you know, the dish of French fries, cheese curds and gravy. No, I'm kidding. It didn't I was like, what you did? I, was fu- <laughs> I fucking fell for that shit. <laughs> Good. I finally got you. <laughs> I got some, I got some cottage cheese in the fridge. I swear to God. <laughs> and it's like I've a actually, big fan of it too. <laughs> oh, I love cottage cheese. So does Putin. We'll get to his favorite foods here in a little bit. I figured, why not? Uh, I've never had <laughs> poutine. Um, I've been to Canada several times. I have friends who are Canadian, and they all tell me that it's great. I mean, I've had there's a, a burger place just down the street from me, like a little mom and pop burger place, and they don't have poutine, but they have. French fries with gravy. So all I figure I need to do is just go down the street to the, another restaurant that has cheese curds and then put it all together and I could have it myself. But anyways, you know, I'm done talking about food for right now. But uh, uh, real quick, to understand Vladimir Putin, uh, you have to understand Russia in the last hundred years. Ooh, excuse me. I'm a, uh, <laughs> I just made some tea and it's got cayenne pepper in it. And oh boy, does that stuff burn. Ooh, but pepper, it's good for you. Cayenne pepper in your tea? Mm-hmm. 
Cayenne sounds, peppers. Sounds delicious. <laughs> it's, it's actually really good. Um, okay, up until 1917, Russia, well, I should say for, you know, not in the entire history of Russia, but for quite a while, up until 1917, uh, Russia was an empire ruled by the, the, the czars. I typed cars. Let the good times roll. That awful band from the 80s. Okay. So, so many of those. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't like the cars. That, it's one of those bands I don't like. But anyways, uh, yeah, let the good times roll. Okay, so not that many good times for Russia. Because of the death and famine of World War I, uh, the people of Russia who were influenced by the Soviets revolted in the first Russian Revolution. They briefly had a provincial government, and then later on in the same year, Lenin, Le, uh, Vladimir, Vladimir Lenin? I'm pretty sure it's Vladimir Lenin. Uh, led another revolution where he took power and instituted communism. And then after Lemon, Lenin, Lemon. <laughs> uh. After Lenin died, Stalin came to power. Uh, I'm thinking maybe someday we could do an entire episode on Stalin because Stalin's a, oh my goodness, what an insane monster. Stalin actually wasn't Russian. He was from Georgia. And he, it's kind of interesting how he, got into you know you mean you mean the country georgia yeah the country georgia not the south georgia not like you know states georgia like fuck i'm out i'm gonna rule some shit (laughs) so after stalin came to power in 1941 uh germany invaded russia despite having signed a non-aggression pact with them and so many more russians died uh, Russia has been, well, I should say Russia, when it's been invaded, has repeatedly had the same tactics in war. Uh, retreat, burn everything on the way out, homes, food, equipment, bridges, crops, and then wait for winter, gather reinforcements, let the enemy freeze and die in the harsh winter, and then finally throw massive numbers at troops at the enemy, taking very heavy losses, but eventually winning because of just sheer overwhelming numbers, which means lots and lots of Russians dying. In uh, World War II alone, 7.4 million Russian civilians died, along with 8.8 million troops. And the crazy thing is, is at the time, uh, the Red Army didn't have enough rifles for soldiers. Same thing in World War I. So they would tell their men to charge the enemy unarmed and then pick up a rifle off of someone else who had died in front of them. And if anyone turned back to retreat, they would be shot by the Russian, Russian officers if they were trying to retreat. Wow. Yeah. So Russians don't mess around, especially in war. And then after World War II, there was the Cold War with the Western countries like America, the UK, France. And then Stalin killed anyone that he thought could possibly be a threat to him, which is estimated to be around 20 million people. So the history of Russia is basically a lot of death. A lot of people dying, a lot of war a lot of just bad stuff and suffering. So in the last 100 years, Russia has seen a lot of turmoil and change. Uh, The fall of the czars, the collapse of democracy, the rise of communism, the Great Depression from America still hit World War II. I mean, hit uh, hit hit Russia before World War II. It affected most of the world. Uh, World War II then, with tens of millions of people killed. Stalin's brutal and deadly rule with tens of more millions of people killed. The Cold War, (laughs) failure and collapse of communism and the breakup of the Soviet Union. And then uh, Russian Federation President Boris Yeltsin's years of corruption. And then the new Russian Federation was marked by economic ruin. 
gang warfare, mafia, you know, Russian mob, violence, uh, and then, you know, President Yeltsin's public drunkenness. The dude was just, nobody really respected him, and he was kind of a pushover. Uh, he was a weak leader, an embarrassment to the country, and but people still liked him for some weird reason. And then finally comes Vladimir Putin, who came in and stabilized the economy and rose the standard of living to make the Russia a world power again in a country to be feared. So, more about Putin. Uh, he was born in 1952 in Leningrad, which is now called St. Petersburg after the uh, fall of the Soviet Union. Uh, Russia... He was yeah, in Russia as the youngest of three children. Putin's father was drafted into the Soviet Navy, and he served in a submarine, and his mom worked at a factory. His father was severely wounded in World War II, and his maternal grandmother was killed by the occupying Germans. And then Putin's uncles disappeared during World War II. Uh, the Russians and the Germans treated each other terribly <clears throat> um, during World War II. It was like the Germans came through and killed and raped a bunch of people, and then the Russians came back through Germany and did the same thing. It was it was just crazy, because they had this like racial hatred for each other, so it was ridiculous. <clears throat> but anyways, when Putin was 12, he began to learn judo, and then he had obtained his black belt, and he still practices it. He also does sambo, which is a Russian martial art, and a... Uh, you know, he's really big into staying now, fit. That I know a little bit about. Mm -hmm. That is a nasty discipline. Sambo? Yeah. It's, I don't uh, know nothing about it. It's uh, The strikes are like knees, elbows, forearms. Oh, oh. oh yeah. And they, they have really good like grappling, too. Yeah, it, that's a nasty all-around combat. The guys that do it in the UFC, the, the Russian guys, yeah. dude, they had some of the nastiest knockouts you've ever seen. <laughs> It's like, did he just knee him in the face? Yes, he did. <laughs> so uh, when Putin was growing up, he idolized the Soviet intelligence officers from the Soviet movies, which is where he got his dream of becoming a secret agent. Um, that probably, to me, sounds like the worst. For some reason, I imagine like Soviet movies were really low budget and poor quality and mostly just anti-American propaganda. But then I stop and think about it. Well... A lot of the stuff in the 60s and 70s and 80s was just anti-Soviet propaganda. But for some reason, I don't think I think it was a little bit better quality. But, you know, we had I better we had it. better movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> Red Dawn. That's right. Uh, by the time he graduated from high school, he spoke German fluently and he also speaks English and uh, one other language, which I forgot to write down. Awesome. Uh, he attended uh, Leningrad State University, LSU. Go Tigers! No, they're not the Tigers. Uh, that's Louisiana State University. I'm not too far from Baton Rouge, and LSU is tearing it up in football right now. And I know a few people who went to LSU, so shout out to the LSU people. And he graduated from uh, Leningrad State University in 1975. And shocker, he was required to join the Communist Party. And he remained a member of, member of it until 1991 when communism fell. So after college, when he joined the Communist Party, he was put into the KGB. And he was posted to Dresden, East Germany. You know, the Soviet-controlled part of Germany during the Cold War. He was assigned, get this, he was assigned to monitor the loyalty of local politicians. So That he just, is scary. 
He just spied on their own people. Yeah. Like, how do you find out? You know what I mean? You got to do some crazy shit. See yeah. if somebody's loyal. Yeah. So he he already, from a young age, spent much of his life looking over his shoulder and suspecting basically probably everyone around him. And he did that until uh, 1989 when the Berlin Wall fell in Germany. Uh, many protesters, after the wall had fallen, went and ransacked the East German secret police headquarters. And then they went to the KGB building where Putin was stationed at. And he called the Soviet headquarters in Moscow, and no one would pick up the phone for quite a while. And he was getting increasingly frustrated and worried because he wanted orders because he needed to know what to do. So eventually someone answered and said, Moscow is silent and hung up the phone. So he was left alone in a very desperate situation. Uh, He went to the basement and to the furnace and burned as many documents as he could before they would fall into uh, you know, Western hands. And then he burned so many documents that the her- furnace began to overheat and like started to like melt and stuff like that. Cause he just kept feeding stuff into it in desperation. And then as the protesters gathered outside, Putin knew that his life was in danger. So this is where you see like how he thinks and how he acts to start come out and his boldness and his fearlessness. He went outside by himself And told the protesters that there was, you know, armed soldiers inside of the building. And if anyone entered, he would send the soldiers out and they would all be shot. And in reality, there was no soldiers. There was nobody else in there. It was him and maybe one or two other people. It was a huge bluff and it worked. The people bought it and they left him alone. So Putin learned early on how to use fear to manipulate people into doing what he wanted. And obviously this has served him very well in the ensuing years. Yeah, this is why we don't let children listen to our podcast. They're like, okay, so fear works. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Dad, there's soldiers in the house. I want my Xbox back. <laughs> Shit, he might not be bluffing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I got four white kids. That's uh, that's a lot of probability there. Yeah, with with those kids though, you just need to be like, why do you have a potato peeler, son? I'm building a couch, Dad. <laughs> You're like, okay. Uh, After the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991, the mayor of St. Petersburg needed a, quote, tough guy to help him. Russian politicians, they just like muscle each other around, I guess. Uh, Putin had moved back to Leningrad and he was working at his old university, LSU. And the mayor knew he was ex-KGB and hired him as uh, deputy mayor. Um, That... I didn't even know that position existed until this. This led Putin into his political career. So as Putin became a politician and uh, the deputy mayor of St. Petersburg, this is where you begin to see his obsession with his own image and TV. He made a documentary about himself. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, his choice for the soundtrack was the complete soundtrack for the Broadway show Cats. What? Yep, I've seen part of it, and it's so weird. It's so weird. I'm like, why? This doesn't make any sense. And he's just talking in Russian about like where he comes from and what he does. I'm like, what? And this is like playing in the background? Yeah, from the, the, the Broadway theater you know, musical Cats. I'm sorry, but that's going to go right on the top of my must-see list. <laughs> <laughs> so 
uh, also during this time, uh, while he was working in St. Petersburg, he was investigated by the city government for a deal which he uh, worked on. He had understated the prices on a deal for the export of metal, which was worth $93 million in exchange for foreign food aid. And so in return, the city got $93 million. And oh, no, no, I'm sorry. The city, the city paid out $93 million. And then this food aid that was supposed to go somewhere never arrived. So the city was like, where did all this money go? Where did our food go? Like the city is like, what's going on? Uh, the city then recommended that he was fired, but since his buddy was the mayor, he never got fired. Wow. So, I love a job where I can make a $93 million mistake. And they're like, now nah, we're keeping you. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a, kind of a theme here in Russia. So then in 1996, uh, Sobchak was the mayor of St. Petersburg. He lost his bid for reelection, leaving Putin without a job. He wasn't, you know, the mayor anymore. So Putin ha- didn't have a job anymore. Putin then moved to Moscow, uh, where he was appointed as deputy chief of the Presidential Property Management Department, where he oversaw the transfer of properties from from the former Soviet Union to the Russian Federation. So at that time, they were trying to, you know, like, this used to belong to the state, and now we're trying to, you know, figure out if it's going to be state-owned or if it's going to be privately owned. So Don't worry, it's not going to cost you any more than a $93 million (laughs) mistake. What kind of (laughs) bullshit title was that? You know, I just, dude, it just sounds so gangster. Yeah. So... Okay. We realize so, that you are so low, so we're going to bring you into our organization where you can go lower. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. So Putin was then able to further his political career by getting a position in the Kremlin working with Boris Yeltsin, uh, who was the president, as the deputy chief of the presidential staff, and then eventually worked his way up to prime minister of Russia. He was still largely an unknown politician. Uh, he was very quiet, but you know, very smart and articulate. He, uh, one of his fellow cabinet members who worked with him, said that uh, it didn't seem like Putin had very much ambition to further uh, his career. He said he just quietly did his job and focused on it, and would that's, only talk when somebody else would talk to him. That's because he had ninety-three million dollars in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, so uh, while he was working with Yeltsin, he began to bring in some of his ex-fellow KGB members to work with him on his staff. So people in the intelligence community or people that used to be in the KGB, he was like, hey, I'll get you a job here and I'll get you a job here. Is this sounding like a gang to anyone else? <laughs> yeah. like, he's like bringing in his boys. He's like, I already got the 93 million. I don't even have a work ethic anymore. It's like, I'm going to need some people around me to motivate me in my evil. (laughs) Interesting thing. I saw a a video, an interview with one of his now cabinet members. And they asked him, they were like, oh, how did you get? (laughs) It's so dumb. They're like, how did you get your job? And he's like, oh, I kind of fell into it by accident. And the guy goes, well, you worked with Putin in the KGB before the Soviet Union fell. And the guy straight up goes, Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that had nothing to do with how I got my job. It's like, what? Of course it did. Are you, what? <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. 
That's like me like, oh, yeah, my job. My brother got me this job. That's like if somebody's saying, oh, hey, you work with your brother? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he got you your job? No, no, no. I just kind of went and talked to the guy and moved across, you know, from California to Texas and asked the owner of the company if I could have the job. I never even talked to my brother about it. Of course I did. That's a good Russia. <laughs> Russia, man. <laughs> so... While President Yeltsin was the president of Russia, the government was in a really tough transitioning phase from being a socialist economy to a capitalist economy. And this transition was brutal for the Russian people. Uh, the new Russian Federation printed shares for the new, now publicly owned companies, and then they distributed them to all of the Russian people, and everyone got an equal share. And so, but at this time, the economy was experiencing a really severe depression. Some experts say that it was worse than the Great Depression in the United States in the 1930s. Some say it, some not. Anyways, it was really bad. So on that level of bad, uh, tens of millions of people were in poverty. And then when these people got their shares to the new publicly traded companies, most of them sold their shares to get quick money. And the oligarchs who had purchased as many shares as they already could then went around and just said to the public, they said, hey, we'll buy your shares and we'll give you, you know, you know, five, you know, 50 cents on the dollar or whatever it was, you know, we'll give you instant cash now. So then these oligarchs now retained, you know, most of the shares to these giant corporations, these new corporations, giving them complete control of oil, gas, steel, and the electric companies. And this gave about 11 to 21 men. It started out like as 11, but it got up to like 21 men control over, over almost everything in Russia at that time. Yeah, that's a gang. <laughs> yeah. So during this period, President Yeltsin was becoming increasingly unpopular. He was publicly seen drunk, partying, you know, on, you know, on the news and stuff. And, you know, he was viewed as a weak leader and he wouldn't stand up to anyone. And the people were very, very unhappy with him. And he was starting to feel the pressure. You know, the people were sick of it because they were like, we're here suffering and we need help and change. And you're just drunk on TV. And like there's video of him like, at, you know, you know, uh, government functions drunk and falling over and stuff like that. He was really embarrassing to them. So finally, on December 31st, uh, 1999, Yeltsin, to the surprise of everybody, resigned as the president of Russia. And in his resignation speech, he said, I am not making any of your or my dreams come true. What seemed simple to do proved to be excruciatingly difficult. And then upon his resignation, he appointed Vladimir Putin as his successor. One of the first things he did as president was to decree that Yeltsin and <laughs> this is nuts. So yeah, Putin, one of the first things he did as president was to sign a decree saying that Yeltsin and his family members and other members of Yeltsin's government would be cleared from any and all investigation or charges of corruption, which is super convenient because in the case, one of the cases, Putin was a suspect. So Putin signed a document saying, hey, I'm not a suspect anymore. Wow. Yeah. So then around the same time, in a different case against him, in, oh, sorry, in around the same time, in the same case against him about the metal export thing, and, you know, in addition to another one, you know, <laughs> the one with the $93 million in the metal and stuff and the foreign food aid, uh, that was 
you know, dropped by the courts for, quote, lack of evidence. And there was a woman that was trying to prosecute him and she was told to shut up and she was forced to leave St. Petersburg to basically never talk about it again. So he also immediately traveled to Chechnya, where there was the Second Chechnyan War. Chechnya was trying to break free from Russia, which the Chechnyan, that's a hard word to say, Chechnyans lost. And this war is uh, quite a sad one. Uh, 200,000 people were forced from their homes. Tens of thousands died. Both sides uh, were, you know, responsible for getting involved in various war crimes, such as rape, murder, kidnapping, and taking hostages. It, it was just a a brutal, like, Free-for-all, man. Yeah, it, it was. <clears throat> when the Chechnyans lost, and they're still part of Russia. So, in 2000, the Russian government held a presidential election. And then due to Yeltsin's resignation, this moved the date up from June to March. You know, they had to hold it a little bit earlier. But Putin won this election with 53% of the vote. Sounds pretty average. Like, in most elections, you get like 51, 52% of the vote. That's it. Remember that statistic. So Putin's first challenge to his public image came in August of 2000 when the Russian Navy Navy submarine Kursk sank. Initially, the Kremlin, you know, the Kremlin's the Russian government, but it's basically like Capitol Hill kind of thing. It's where they meet and, you know, sign laws and do all that. Except their places sound way cooler. Yeah, it really does sound way cooler. I'm not going to lie. We got the House Um, of Representatives. You just picture a bunch of old dudes with wigs on. And then they're over there. They're like, yeah, but we're in the Kremlin. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, it's so much more menacing. And even it pictures sounds really of it. cool for losing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so after this Navy submarine sank, uh, the Kremlin downplayed the incident. And they were, oh, no, no big deal. And so pretty typically that happened during the Cold War, too. Like they would lose a plane. They would lose a ship, lose a boat. And they're like, ah, oh, nothing to see here. Everyone go home. So they, ah, I, they, they, I guess they kept like the that policeman from the fucking South Park. <laughs> or no, you mean right. the Simpsons? No, the South Park, the guy, the, oh. the fucking chief. Nothing to see here. That's <laughs> what I'm picturing. Sorry, my yeah, brain just no goes. Worries. It has characters in it. And when you did that voice, that, that was too close. <laughs> well, I don't mind characters. We need some recurring characters here. Uh, they basically said, no, we didn't lose a submarine. And they said, our submarine and sailors are all fine. Minor incident. And then in reality, all 118 sailors on board, on board had died. So Damn. the Navy told Putin that, oh, you know what? Don't come visit the area where it sank. There was a military base nearby. You know, don't don't worry about it. We got it under control. It's no big deal. And so at the same time, Putin was seen uh, on vacation. Uh, According to the Guardian newspaper, uh, this is what the Guardian newspaper says. For President Vladimir Putin, the curse crisis was not merely a human tragedy. It was a personal PR catastrophe. 24 hours after the submarine's disappearance, as Russian naval officers made bleak calculations about the chances of the 118 men on board, Putin was filmed enjoying himself, shirt sleeves rolled up, hosting a barbecue at his holiday villa on the Black Sea. So, yeah, this made him seem very indifferent, which outraged the families of the sailors on board. <clears throat> so I mean, I can Russian... understand that, but listen, man, when I have a barbecue, like, I plan 
<laughs> like, it's not like you just had a barbecue the next day and there wasn't like an invitation. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, it might look shitty, but listen, when you're running everything and you're on top and you're running Russia, it's pretty sure every day's a shitty day, right? Like, oh, I'm sure. So, you know, you pick one. You just uh, pick the wrong one. Yeah. So, well, it, it, you'll see that things start to change here for Putin uh, by his own doing. Uh, the Russian news media was extremely critical of him for this and the images of the angry family members of the sailor of the f- family members of the sailors demanding information was circulated worldwide. Uh, the government even refused to release the list n- of the names of the missing sailors to the families until a Russian newspaper offered an officer 18,000 rubles for the list. They were like, just give us the list. And then the government still prohibited the reporters from contacting any more family members or from publishing the information. They were just like, shut up. You can't talk about it. Damn, they even caught that before it got published. That means they're on the inside, man. Yeah. So 10 days after the incident, Putin finally traveled to the, oh my goodness, so many wise, Vidyevo Navy Base. I'm awful at reading Russian. (laughs) I'm doing my best here. And I met up with some of the family members. But this meeting was closed and very, very tightly controlled. Two Russian reporters managed to get inside by pretending to be family members. And so they could watch and report what the meeting was like. I am Uncle Boris. You can trust me. (laughs) Never mind my leather jacket and gold hanging from my neck with my black turtleneck sweater and these sunglasses and it's always cloudy. No, that is not a weapon in my pants. I'm just glad to see you again. (laughs) Where's the vodka? Let's party. No. (laughs) (laughs) no uncle boris no (laughs) so they said the meeting was very hostile people were (laughs) very angry at putin shocker and it lasted for three to six hours this is what i I don't understand do they not have watches in russia was it three hours or six hours or four hours that's a big difference well you got to figure the drinking by three hours nobody knows what fucking time it is man that's true they're like vodka time as soon as they get in there Passing it around, I'm sure. It's like, why they shit on this dude for being drunk? Isn't that part of the culture? I mean, I'm I, not, so. I don't know. It just always seems that way. It seems that way. I'm sure there's some truth to that. I'm not trying to be racist against the Russians or anything, but I'm pretty sure there's an alcohol problem over there. So, you gotta keep warm, man. It's fucking cold, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so after the media frenzy, Putin fired back at the media saying that they were part of the problem. Of course. Sounds like a political leader I can think of blaming the media. Um, he also blamed the oligarchs at the time who owned most of the non-state controlled media, saying that it was their fault that the Russian military was in such poor shape. Think of that. Oh, the Russian military is in bad shape. And it's because of the media and the oligarchs. What? Dude just was like throwing it out on everybody. Makes perfect sense to me, yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uncle so, Boris, you're just off. <laughs> so he implied that the oligarchs and the media stole money. Well, the 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 oligarchs, mm, they shadily got money. And then they bought the media. He accused them of that, which they did. 
and then with that money, and then now they were manipulating public opinion against him. I'm sure a few were, but geez, dude, like you were off having a barbecue and vacation when you really should have been out there making a good fa- sad face for you know for the missing sailors. Like I mean, let's. Uh... <laughs> oh my goodness, that's just too much. Yeah. It's it, it, so man when you hear it, like you know firsthand like i'm hearing it from you in that order mm-hmm. as it happens it's so ridiculous you can't believe that stuff like that happens it's like a movie yeah. it's like a movie yeah real. yeah could we start another food drive i need uh 94 million this time <laughs> <laughs> i need uh, i need guns but never mind what you hear <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh, right after this putin went after the oligarchs and he continued to blame them for Russia's economic problems, which was partially true. So at this time, Putin announced that he was going to eliminate all of the oligarchs completely. This led to a power struggle between Putin and the oligarchs. Putin gathered 21 of the richest oligarchs in Russia and told them and made it very clear that they would not be able to influence him or the political system in the same way they had done with President Yeltsin. In reality, Putin actually intended to reshape the oligarchy itself to benefit himself. So, in order to gain power over the oligarchs, Putin began to appoint more of his loyal associates and friends from his days at the KGB and members of the military to key positions in public corporations. He also had the richest of the oligarchs arrested in 2003, Michael Hordakovsky. I think I said that correctly. Close enough. Uh, he was put on trial in Moscow. So here, here's some fun facts about trials and stuff in Russia. Uh, in Moscow, there is a 97% conviction rate, and you are presumed guilty unless you are proven innocent. So 3% chance of getting off. That's why we need that immunity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So since everyone is proved guilty, basically, and you are, uh, you know, have to be proven innocent to get out, uh, th- they hold defendants inside a cage in the courtroom, which gives it a very ominous, shameful, and, you know, you look guilty. It's a very, like, public, you know, show kind of a thing. So reportedly, after Khodorkovsky was convicted, all of the oligarchs went to meet with Putin, and they asked him what he wanted from them, and he said, 50% and your loyalty. Not not 50% for the government, not 50%, just 50% of your wealth and power and your complete loyalty. So in this way, Putin reshaped the oligarchy to make himself rich. Now, as most of us know, rich people are always finding ways to hide their money and keep it you know, safe to avoid taxes and so on. So the Russian oligarchs are no exception to this. While publicly Putin isn't worth billions, I wouldn't put it past him and his oligarch buddies to hide his money along with theirs while assuring him that he has access to whatever he wants. He is believed to be by he is it is believed by, you know, financial experts and people who are smarter than me at this to be the richest man in the wor- world, worth an estimated 200 billion. But according to his personal financial statements, he owns less than an acre of land, has a 900 square foot apartment, and owns a couple of crappy Russian-made cars. That's on paper. That's all he he has on paper. So in 2008, Putin was prohibited from running for president 
Again, he had already been president for two terms by the Russian constitution. But Putin was able to hold on to his political power and his power over the oligarchs. Putin's prime minister, Dmitry Medvedev, was elected as president of Russia, and then, in turn, he appointed Putin as the prime minister of Russia. So, they have a little, like, sharing thing going on there. That's not a bad turn on a $93 million investment. <laughs> no. <laughs> 93 to $200 billion. And, yeah, he doesn't own it publicly, but he has access to it because he has this political control over people you know that is some gangster shit yeah it's it's like a a very well-oiled machine and it's essentially a gang really and so a in 2011 medvedev the then president of russia proposed at the united russia congress in moscow that putin should run for president for a third term in 2012 and Putin, Putin, of course, said, oh, of course, I accept it. Humbly, I accept. Of course he did. He couldn't say he wanted to, but if someone else said, oh, you should run again, and, you know, nobody freaks out about it, we can maybe change the Constitution so you can run again. So um, many people believe that Putin would win a third term, and then there wasn't anything that anyone else could do to stop it. And in 2012, Putin won a third term as president of Russia. Many of Putin's political opponents claimed voter fraud and many, many anti-Putin protests took place. And the most, inf- <laughs> the most infamous of these was at... <laughs> okay. Was it there's a Chick-fil-A? Band. No? No. There's a band called Pussy Riot. <laughs> All right. Now I'm they're, listening. <laughs> they're... <laughs> They're a feminist punk rock band, and they were playing in Russia. And at this event, between 8,000 and 12,000 anti-Putin protesters gathered in Moscow. Uh, 80 people were injured, and 450 were arrested, and a further 120 were arrested the next day. So people were pissed that Putin was back in power again. But really, behind the scenes, he's just been arranging it so that he always stays in power, you know? working with the government, changing laws, getting all his buddies into all the important positions. So, And he's still got a soundtrack. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so in 2014, there was the Ukrainian revolution. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. He went from cats to pussy. Uh, yeah. Just from one pussy to another. That's <laughs> too fucking funny, man. No one's putting this together? Come on, who you got? Mice working on this? <laughs> <laughs> The pussy connection with Putin. And then Putin. Putin in the pussy? Come on, man. <laughs> See, that's that's why you don't want me doing any kind of an- analyzing of shit. <laughs> no, that's why we do, because it's hilarious. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So there was the Ukrainian revolution. The Ukrainian president was corrupt. And uh, the people... In Ukraine, had enough of him, and he basically fled to, everyone believes he fled to Russia. Putin had been working with him to bring the Crimean Peninsula back to Russia, because Putin wanted it back. And so, after this revolution, massed Russian troops with no insignia, so there's these troops that are all wearing Russian gear, but they have no Russian insignia on them. They marched and took over the Supreme Council, which is like the government building in Crimea, and then other key locations. And they just like 
armed themselves and took all over these locations. They didn't fire a shot, but they took over all these key positions. And then uh, the local government were like, "Eh, forget this. And they uh, disappeared. And then this led to a pro-Russian government being created there in Crimea, on the Crimean Peninsula. And then they quickly said, hey, the new government said, hey, we're declaring independence from Ukraine. We want to go back to Russia. So basically these Russians came in had this facade thing, hey, we want to go back to Russia. And then Russians said, oh, okay, well, we'll just annex this territory and made it part of the Russian Federation. This action was quickly condemned by Ukraine and many other world powers like the United States and Great Britain and all this other stuff. But nobody ever did anything about it. They just did some economic sanctions and it didn't really change anything. Uh, This particular event (laughs) led a lot of people to start comparing Putin to Hitler because that's how Hitler started gaining his territory in Austria and Czechoslovakia. He just started doing similar things, very similar, especially in Czechoslovakia. So when Putin was inaugurated in, uh, oh yeah, sorry. So in 2018, Putin won a fourth presidential term with 76% of the vote. Sounds a little high, doesn't it? What were they doing? (laughs) (laughs) We'll promise you pussy. It could be cats, it could be real pussy, but there's pussy in it for everyone. (laughs) That'd get about 76% of the vote. Either that or the fear of death. I don't know. Yeah. So, interesting facts about this. Um, So... So uh, when Putin was inaugurated, uh, he ordered the streets of Moscow. It's like, what, 12 million people in that city, something like that. He ordered all the streets to be cleared and everyone was to stay inside and watch his inauguration on TV while his motorcade drove through the empty streets. You know, his motorcade of armored bears, I guess. Um, And Putin, his personal staff and guard must ride around shirtless on bears, you know, with heavy armor. That's kind of like how I imagine it. He's so, you know, bold. He just doesn't drive a car. He rides a bear around. I know it's not true, but that's the way I think about it. He would do that if he could, I'm sure. Well, in my mind, he did. (laughs) (laughs) In my mind, too. That's the first thing I see is shirtless Putin. I mean, there's pictures of shirtless Putin everywhere. He always has his shirt off. He's like the Matthew McConaughey of, you know, Russia. Just, hey, all right, all right, all right. Taking his shirt off and rolling around on horses and bears. (laughs) That's terrible. And every and every uh, newscast has got to show his ass or something. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> so, got one of those ass uh, contracts. <laughs> ass contracts. It's like, well, in every movie, I'm going to have to show my ass. It's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, interestingly, now, you know, remember how he railed on the Russian news media? Well, since the uh, the oligarchs basically bought out all of the media, so now currently 94% of the news media in Russia is owned by the government. Uh, Most of their news is broadcast to the Russian people over television. Wow. So they basically tell whatever story they want. So during this last inauguration, most of the people cleared the streets. But a block away from where his inauguration was taking place, there is a cafe where his political opponents usually meet. Just like a little street cafe, you can get tea or coffee or desserts and stuff. And so at the time of... Or a bullet. (laughs) Or a bullet, yeah. So at the time of his inauguration, there was people there eating and drinking. 
While they were at the cafe, riot police all of a sudden showed up and arrested many of, and if not all of them, for not abiding by Putin's order to clear the streets. There's video of this online. People took with their like cell phones. Uh, people are literally being yanked out of chairs. The cups and dishes are all being smashed and thrown. The the SWAT teams are like flipping tables and dragging people away by their hair or their arms. Some people are literally being carried away. They're just being forcibly beaten and you know carried into these big police trucks and carried off to jail. This event was captured by you know phones and cameras, and it was never shown on Russian TV or the news, but it was shown everywhere else in the world. So Putin controls literally everything in Russia. Not a bad word is ever spoken about him on Russian TV. According to one of his former advisors, he believed that everyone can be manipulated, especially through media. And he has shown that he can do that through the press in Russia. He chooses what channels get what stories and at what times. And he makes sure that his image is strong, charismatic, and dynamic. He's been shown on the news flying planes to fight forest fires, riding horses without a shirt on, fighting opponents using judo and sambo. He's been shown with the military, on ships, arm wrestling people, dancing with people at festivals. He even attended a fundraiser in St. Petersburg and sang a song for everyone. And Kevin Costner, Kurt Russell, and Goldie Hawn all loved it. They're like, oh, he's the greatest thing ever. Uh, he made sure that he's been portrayed as the savior of Russia. And he really knows what he's doing because after the fall of the Soviet Union and then the debacle of President Yeltsin, he has done the opposite of those leaders. He did bring Russia back to a, like a place of prosperity. He just did it in a very selfish way. That is the craziest shit. Yeah. So Putin is obviously super popular in Russia because he's got control of what people, what people are fed and their information they get. So because of the economy and then the media control, everything seems good to them. So they think he's great. He's taken Russia from the disaster of the USSR and made Russia a world power again. When he became president, you know, nobody knew who he was, and Russia was just considered a joke, basically, like a shadow of its former self. So now, oh, were you going to say? No, no, go ahead. Okay, I was. I'm not going to go too much into the 2016 United States presidential election because that's on the news like every five minutes. Uh, but I will say, you know, uh, if you want to hear about it, you can find hundreds of podcasts that will talk about it. I'm not going to go into that because I want to talk about different things. But I do have one thing to say about it. Uh, reportedly, Russia messed with our elections to get Trump in office. Eh, mm, plausible. I'm not. I don't doubt it. It also is pretty obvious that Hillary Clinton and Putin hate each other. Mm, that's very apparent. So I don't doubt that Russia messed with the election to keep Hillary out. That being said, I'm not all bent out of shape about it or shocked in the least. Why? Because our government has meddled in so many other elections. Of course they have. I'm sure they've even tried to mess with Putin's elections. So it's not like there's any benevolent government out there that isn't going to try and get a friendly politician elected in a country. Like, I looked it up. It, the CIA and, and various American organizations or agencies have been reportedly messing with governmental elections since World War II up to like 45 different countries. So... Like, yeah, why, why are people, I don't understand why, like, why people are all bent out of shape that Russia did it to us. Of course they did. Everybody does it to each other. That's what spy agencies are for. 
I was never a part of the KGB. I don't know what <laughs> you're talking about. <laughs> Just ignore all of Uncle Boris is telling us to ignore all of his uh, pro-Trump you know, posts on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I really like his hair. <laughs> it's just so strong it stays right there yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, you know what's interesting about that though you're talking about the transition because i you know grew up when yeltsin was and yeah. i think the reason it seemed like when i was growing up that he kind of just nobody really took him serious at the time because he had this big mole on his head and every time he <laughs> talked you just kind of saw the mole and then at the time like we had like more weapons than everyone <laughs> Yeah. So we just didn't give a fuck. We didn't take anybody <laughs> serious. Like, yeah, go ahead and pull the trigger. We're going to, like, lay you out. You know, it wasn't until later that, you know, we got, you know, the less weapons we get. I'm not saying I have anything position about it, but it just seems like, uh, for the most part, whoever has the most guns wins. And we started, like, kind of giving up ours. You know, yeah. and that's when things started getting a little shady to me. But, yeah, but it, I remember that. Like, we didn't take him serious. We had, we had, we were in, like, a prosperity age or the 80s. When that was yeah. all going on, you know, and like everything was pro-American and we were just kicking ass. We felt invincible. So it's like it's kind of easy to see how that could have easily transitioned because we yeah. felt invincible. I was like, what are you going to do? What are you going to put over there that's going to give us any kind of a problem? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's <laughs> very true. We yeah, it was a different time back then. I remember that time, too, in Mr. Giant Mole. So <laughs> you're not the only one that remembers that. Um after Putin won his fourth, you know, presidential term, uh, he invited, this is nuts. He invited his former prime minister, well, actually current prime minister, Dmitry Medvedev. And he said, hey, let's form a new government. And so they announced that he would not run for president again in 2024. So somehow I don't believe <clears throat> that he will stand by that announcement. He'll probably just stay president because they formed a new government. They're changing the Russian constitution as we speak. So what does it matter what happens in 2024 when the next election is? He'll probably just be like, I'm president for life or fabricate some act that will keep him in power, grant him some emergency powers or something like that. <clears throat> so in September of this year, 2019, uh, Putin's, you know, governmental party interfered with all of the Russian nationwide regional elections and they eliminated all opposing political candidates making sure that his political party is the ruling party everywhere in Russia and this led to so many protests leading to mass arrests and lots of pleas brutality and then when you know Putin heard this it is reported that he jumped out of his chair, stripped naked, and yelled, I am greatest president ever, while pouring French fries, cheese curds, and gravy all over his rock-hard, pale, naked Russian body. That's why we're going to call it the Russian Pussy Party. <laughs> you can eat, eat, and have sex at the same time. <laughs> yeah. No, P Putin did not pour poutine all over himself, but, you know. In my mind, he did, because that just you know. But did he like actually something... stand up and do the strip thing, though? <laughs> no. <laughs> Son of a bitch! I that got there. me again. <laughs> that... <laughs> You're welcome. Horrible well, you friend. know, but the thing is, that here's the thing, though. He does sound a lot like Hitler. So yeah, and you know, he lost his shit. 
Yeah. So uh, maybe we start checking uh, Putin's drug cabinet and see what the hell he's got <laughs> going on in there. Yeah. Who's no, this doctor? Who yeah. <laughs> Some quack putting leeches on him, probably. So uh, in Putin's personal life. It's the he cat was lady. The cat. <laughs> uh, he was married, but divorced his wife in 2014. Uh, he also has two daughters. So while on paper, Putin may not. Who's dating it. these girls? Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, nobody. Dude, you, nobody. nobody has a brain. Hey, you know, you want to go, you know, date so-and-so Putin? No, I'm good. I don't want to die. I don't want to disappear. My family wants to, you know, know what happens to me. <laughs> Even Uncle Boris says there's no pussy worth dying for. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, while on paper he may not own everything, he has access to 43 personal aircraft, some 20 mansions and palaces, one palace on the Black Sea, which was built with government funds and is patrolled by Kremlin Guard, is worth $1 billion. But it's not his house. Damn. Yeah. It's got like, it's all fenced in. There's guards. I've seen pictures of it. There's guards patrolling it. It's got like two or three helicopter pads. It's absurd. Completely absurd. And the government built it. A nice vacation home for Putin. Man, our White House sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Compared to that. <laughs> Yeah. I know Trump was like, this piece of shit. <laughs> My house is better than this piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> old ass house. <laughs> Creaky ass floors, old boilers and shit. So on an average day, Putin sleeps in to uh, about 11 o'clock, has breakfast at noon. He's my kind of guy, sleeping in late and, you know, eating breakfast at lunchtime. Uh, he frequently has omelets or porridge. Quail, quail eggs always has cottage cheese. Dude loves cottage cheese. It's ridiculous. Uh, fruit juice and coffee. <clears throat> he then will spend up to two hours swimming and lifting weights. And he's also very skeptical of medicines. He says that he uses natural and folk remedies most of the time. He then begins his day by either meeting with his ministers or reading his intelligence briefings. Uh, Putin is very, very much into information and avoids using computers. He prefers to read on paper and write everything down. Uh, and reportedly, his favorite food of all is pistachio ice cream. Ugh, that sounds disgusting. I don't even know what that... I, I've heard of it. Yeah. Seems like there was I, someone else famous who liked pistachio ice cream. It's probably Elvis's fat ass or something. <laughs> probably. Give pistachio ice cream. <laughs> So Putin also claims to abstain from alcohol except for at formal events. Yeah, Hitler yeah, claims gets to fucked up and yeah. stumbles around like a dumbass. They're like all the other Russians are like, you cannot even hold your liquor. <laughs> uh, Hitler claimed to abstain too, and we know what was really going on there. So I yeah, I guess yeah, you don't need alcohol when you got some smack. You know? he probably he probably has like rooms just the refrigerators the size of you know like warehouses full of vodka and whatever else he wants Dude, he's, he's probably billions. on like crank man oh i'm sure uh he loves to play ice hockey and publicly encourages all russians to play sports he is russian orthodox christian and he was named time 2007 time magazine's person of the year Wow, the opinion of him in America has changed a lot since 2007. A whole lot. That's craziness. Yeah. 
<laughs> so uh, <laughs> I found a, uh, this is crazy. I found a calendar you can buy on Amazon. It's a Vladimir Putin wall calendar. And it's got each month of the year, it has pictures of him. It's in Russian. There's a picture of him meeting Trump. There's a picture of him at like a, a memorial, placing flowers at a memorial. Picture of him at the World Cup um, in Russia, since it was in Russia. A picture of him shooting a, a gun. All this like, you know, super macho, you know, stuff that he really likes to be known for. And it caught my eye. I actually kind of want this for the studio here because I kind of want to get some stuff on all of the... Uh, you know, subjects that we talk about and keep memorabilia here. I think I, I think I'm gonna get this. This is only like twelve dollars and sixty eight cents with free shipping on Amazon. So I was like, shoot, why not? Um, I'll probably get put on some watch list though. If I, I'm probably on a watch list just for researching him. I actually, he has his own personal website. I went on to too. I'm sure the Russians are you know tracking me now too. I wouldn't be surprised. But anyways, we like your bald head though. <laughs> true the description for this calendar had to be written by a russian person just uh the the choice of words is funny to me Uh, it says the best choice for a gift and private use make you and others happy your friends and colleagues will be glad to receive such unusual memorable and useful gift putin calendar will perfectly fit into house or office interior like I said, it's not too big to fit on your wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this one, it's not what he really thinks of himself. It's it's much smaller. It'll actually fit in your house or your office. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that just cracked me up. Uh, so here's some uh, famous quotes about that Putin has said, which kind of gives a little more insight into the way he thinks. Um, he, this is quotes. He said, After the Soviet Union was gone, he said, whoever does not miss the Soviet Union has no heart. Whoever wants it back has no brain. So he kind of misses it, but doesn't want it back, obviously, because he has all the power and control now. And then uh, Putin called the breakup of the Soviet Union the greatest geopolitical tragedy of the 20th century. Wow. Yeah. So he's... He, I mean, he was raised in that environment, so he dug it. And he, I mean, why wouldn't you? He went from his parents were poor and had nothing, and he went from that to like a successful secret agent, what he wanted to be when he was a kid, and then he turned out to be like the richest man in the world by being really gangster. And you know, the the last quote is still my favorite one, when he said, "There will be no oligarchs. No, just you know, no oligarchs that aren't under your thumb, that aren't your buddies, that were with you since like the '60s and '70s, or no, like the '70s and '80s." So that right there is, uh, you know, my version of uh, episode on Vladimir Putin, the current president of Russia, and probably the president of Russia until he dies. Kind of scary, but it is what it is. The silver lining for me today is I'm glad I don't live in Russia. I'll probably never get a visa to go there either if I want to travel there after this. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be setting foot on any Russian soil. (laughs) Yeah, I would like to go visit there, but not in the winter. Oh, heck no, not in the winter. But uh, I've always wanted to go visit there. But, you know, I'm sure they do some crazy background checks. I mean, everybody's information's online already. So, you know, that was Putin. What do you think about that, Juan? 
I think that's very, uh, <laughs> I know this may sound fucked up, <laughs> but it's kind of comforting. Because, <laughs> like, what's going on over here makes you feel unnervy. And then you hear that shit. You're like, oh, well, it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we're not the only ones, you know, like, no. sitting back going, like, how the hell is the, is this person in charge? What the fuck? <laughs> like, I, I'm not even talking about anyone, anyone in particular. But, like, as far as I can remember, every time we have a president, I'm like, I just don't see why anyone thinks this is going to be any better. And then it's right. not. And it's just, right. you know, it's one thing after another. And, it, and like you said, it's always corruption, you know. Yeah. And I'm not one of these, like, theory conspiracy people, but it's just, it is what it is. When you have money, you have power. And when you have power, you have control of other people. And the more money you get, the more control you have. This guy just happens to be at the top of the food chain. Because he's yeah. got the most money, so he's got the most power, got the most influence. And to the point where there's really nothing you can do about it. And uh, it just lets you know that what's more important about it is what you can control, which is your own life and who's in your own life and, and how you're treating people in your own life. Because God forbid these people were the end all be all to all of us. Thank yeah. God they don't define all of us. We all have our own yeah. thing going on. But it is crazy to think that these are the people running shit. Yeah. yeah, these are the people making decisions and starting wars and deciding the fates of others. Like there's, there's been several instances where professors or newspaper journalists in Russia have just disappeared, or they've been arrested for having an opinion, and they just get shipped off, like you know, off to Siberia somewhere and never heard from again. And it does make you appreciate, as messed up as a lot of people feel our system is. There were at least in a system where a lot of these things at least currently couldn't happen to you. I mean, right. I mean, you know, God forbid the powers that be would make that happen. But I'm saying as a general rule, we have some some say in this country. Yeah. You know, you have some freedoms in this country that you don't have. And thank God our media is not completely controlled by one side or another or one group, I hope, because yeah. uh, that really would it really would dictate where most people's opinions would end up. People believe yeah. what they see and what they hear. Yeah. And it's and it's and he's not right. He's not wrong about that because you look at any country that has a propaganda machine. Like our country even has a propaganda machine. It's just two sided. It's the left and the right. And there's very, very few like news agencies that just tell you what the facts are. Because most news in our country anyway, they will tell you facts from a certain opinion, from a certain viewpoint. And there's nothing wrong with having a viewpoint, but if you're constantly fed something from a certain viewpoint that kind of matches up with what you already believe, you're not really going to think, you know what, maybe I should consider something on the other side. Maybe somebody else on this, you know, there obviously there are things that, you know, everybody like, I'm not going to change my mind on this. I really believe firmly in this. That's fine. But there are other things, you know, that you might not you know, just to go along with the crowd with. And so I always try and remember that it's best, at least for me, this is my own personal choice, listeners out there, if you're super left, super right, I don't care. Everyone's entitled to have their own opinion. I can agree to disagree and I'm fine with that. You know, you know, we're all here on this, on this country, on this planet, you know, we all got to do the best we can and we're all got differences, you know, and I just try and be as balanced as I can because I just don't think going to any sort of extreme is usually a good idea because you wind up with people like Putin and people die and people getting super rich off of the backs of others. And it's just sad. I had to think about that for a second. 
<laughs> well, by that, I just mean that, you know, like, it's a lot to absorb. We just mm-hmm. live in such a crazy world now. Yeah. And that's why it's still really important to keep yourself grounded, you yeah. know, and and still try. You know, that, and this... And that's why it's like really important, I think, too, to always try and look for some positives in anything because, man, you can just get swallowed up in that negative. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like I'm not I'm not against being informed. Like I'm very pro being informed. Like you should be informed. You should know what's going on. But at least for me personally, I don't want someone's opinion to become my opinion. I want to be able to look at a situation or look at a person or look at an event and then go, okay, what are the facts and what are the true facts? And that's where kind of like, at least I think a lot of times it's hard to get, you know, what true facts are because a lot of people want to put their own spin on it. I mean, think about it. You know, your kid's gotten a fight at school and one kid, Oh, he punched me first. No, he punched me first. Well, he started it. She started it. Well, whatever, you know, everybody has got a different opinion. So you kind of need to go into things and be like, okay, well, what really happened here? What's really going on? And then make up your mind about it because... It just makes me really uh, happy to be an American citizen, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. Me too. It makes me very happy that, you know, I live in America because the more and more you look into it, like, "Mm, there's not very many other countries in the world (laughs) that, you know, give us the level of freedom that we have. You know, it's, it's, it's our, yes, our freedoms are not what they used to be. You know, things are changing and stuff like that. Not really thrilling to me personally, but, you know, I'm not going to take what I have for granted because we really do live in a great country, in a great place. It's got its problems for sure. It's got its issues just like everywhere else, but definitely could be a lot worse, you know, because, I mean, as you looked in, as you recently just listened and heard, a lot of people die in Russia and very few people care. And that's a really, really sad thing when millions and millions of people can die over, you know, a hundred years. Like how many, like how many people in America over the last hundred years, was it tens of millions of people dying, died because of the government or tens of millions people dying because of a war? No, like 400 some thousand died in World War II. Less than 100,000 in Vietnam. It wasn't like tens of millions of people are dying. The government wasn't shipping off tens of millions of people to, you know, North Dakota and killing them in gulags. No offense to North Dakota. Uh, I'm sure it's really nice there for about a week, a year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. North Dakota or New Mexico. Like, those are just two places like, eh, eh, I don't Why do you want to go there? The only reason I ever go to New Mexico is I have family there. I like New Mexico because it uh, hurts a lot less. <laughs> That's true. No, it does, man. I get down there, all of a sudden I'm moving and shit. I'm like, yeah. gosh, I should start jogging. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel young again. <laughs> New Mexico's pretty. The desert's pretty for like five days. And then it's like, okay, time to go. I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I'm good with that. But anyways, so that was, you know, Vladimir Putin uh, next week. We are going to have a very special story that fell into my lap just by chance. Uh, it's going to be a story about uh, Richard Ramirez. And if any of you out there know who he is, yeah, it's going to be crazy. Um, I'm not going to rehash all of the stuff you've heard before on other TV shows or podcasts. I'm going to bring in some lesser known information and uh, one story that literally nobody but maybe five or six people have heard before. So, uh, you know. 
I really hope you look forward to that. I've put a ton of work into that in this one, and I think it's going to be really good. So hang on for that. And next episode about crazy old, crazy eyes, nasty teeth, Richard Ramirez. The Night Stalker. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And then from there on out, I've got several more topics coming down the pipeline. And if you have any ideas, you know, shoot us a message, you know, email, voicemail. We'll uh, put it in there on the list somewhere. And if you'd like to become of the National Russian Pussy Party, <laughs> uh, leave a message for Uncle Boris. <laughs> yes, Uncle Boris uh, would actually like to hear from you. And, you know, Uncle Boris is definitely available to, you know, exchange, you know, contact information with, you know, you can, when you want to write an email to him, Uncle Boris would like that. Bobby Catheter would too. So, you know. <laughs> For those of you out there that want to hear from Bobby or uh, Boris, you know, hit us up at nocountrypodcast at gmail.com and he'll get back to you as soon as he can. Or I should say they will get back to you as soon as they can. Bobby is currently out on tour right now. And uh, uh, Boris is off drinking vodka in the snow somewhere. So, you know, I don't know how their Wi-Fi signals are, but I'm sure they'll, they'll hit you back up as soon as they can. <laughs> Juan looks like Boris. He's all bundled up right now. Uh, it's like uh, 37 degrees out here. <laughs> so I'm, I've, I've got my... I quit shivering a while ago. And now I'm just... It just like makes you sit still. Yeah. As your innards slowly drop to whatever the temperature is out here. <laughs> That's Michigan. Like, why we bust a fucking North Dakota? I'm dying! Fuck. And this <laughs> asshole is down here in fucking Houston. It's like 70. <laughs> yep that's that's a pretty common thing no i mean it's you know good move all right you win fuck <laughs> yeah so anyways thank you everybody for listening uh stay warm if you don't live anywhere in the south and if you do live in the south have a great time you know uh we'll see you next time seahawk predator <laughs> out i'm dying <laughs> goodbye from pneumonia man Trust me. <laughs> Never mind my leather jacket and gold hanging from my neck with my black turtleneck sweater and these sunglasses and it's always cloudy. No, that is not a weapon in my pants. I'm just glad to see you again.